You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome to a new episode of Hoop and Holler. I'm your host, Eddie Sun, joined by Julio Martinez and Reagan Griffin Jr. Yeah. On this episode, we will be talking about an array of things. No big news in the NBA this past week. Not earth-shattering news, but we do want to get to the impact of these new fouling rules and how it's played out um, in terms of league product, how it's impacted certain players. Um, we also want to go over how some rookies have been playing this season and also talk about Memphis and the Warriors game yesterday. Um, but before we do that, hold that, Eddie. Hold that. Thank you. Okay. I was I was gonna give a primer, but I guess you you got it from here. I mean, we ain't gotta get into it. I'm just saying, hold that for me. You know what I'm saying? John Morant went to your house, Chase Center, took it to y'all, dropped. Don't oh, don't talk oh, wait, like wait, wait, oh wait, wait, John no, Morant is some big boy. Wait, and I wait. did it on I did this on purpose wait, too. That's not what I was gonna. I was gonna. No, he was talking. He was gonna you. talk about their game. Bro. Yeah, I was gonna. He was gonna talk about the you. game last night. I appreciate that. That, that. That's what I thought you were getting oh, on your soapbox you about. about the, you talking about? Yes, the, yeah. bro. Reagan and me to a lesser extent. Not really. The uh, manager. Of we the team. are champions. We are she champions. Talking about we? we are champions. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I start. Uh, I, we we started in a men's league. I had to stop after the first preseason game. I guess just like Braun just stopped after two regular season games, and then uh, the Lakers or my no the only players ended up winning the the yeah. adult league championship of of Kaba Downey. Let me let me tell y'all something, man. Let me tell y'all something. This team started out zero and three. We lost our best player at the beginning of the season, Julio. Went 0-3 to start the year. Then ended up as the seventh seed in the playoffs. In a eight teams. In an eight-team playoff. Ended up as the seventh seed. Took out the number two seed. Then took out the number three seed. Then went and took out the number one seed, who has like the three years running MVP of that league and had won that league for three years in a row prior to us. This is our first year in the league. And just to let everybody know... uh. I don't want to curse too much, but that motherfucker is so trash, bro. He's just big and, and just drives to the so paint, and he no bullies reason. the refs. He no, he no, actually bullies the refs. That's Eddie, facts. Eddie, you saw what I was doing I, too, I though, because I, I I told him I was like I'm not even gonna attempt a rebound. I'm just on his ass boxing out because in the beginning, the first half, it really didn't work in the second half, but it was just like at a certain point he was because the dude's big. Dude's like a cool six three, six four. Probably packing like two hundred and sixty pounds, something like that. He can move a little. He, bit. he like Zion, but without the jumping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like I don't know. I guess he, he knows how to manipulate to make it look like a foul when it's not. It was pretty ill, but no, nah, definitely proud of that team. Shout out Josh. Shout out Louis. Shout out Danny for sure. Shout out Eric. Jay. Eric hit a game tying shot to send us to OT. I saw. And he hit the game winner. Is that his name? I still Eric. Okay. Yeah, I that's his name. His Shout name. out Danny who fouled out. Um, but Yo, you know, ne- that was our best. Now, 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 next year, sprinkle a little bit of, of Julio on. Nah, there. you got to come in and play your role. Sheesh. We already. You gonna come? In. My role is running the damn team. What you, no, what no, you talking bro, that's about? Danny. That's Danny. What you talking about? <laughs> that's me, bro. But no, definitely that was a fun time. You know, my role. I, I'm dead ass a role player on that team. I had a cool little five points. I see six, you. six, seven rebounds, something like that. Zone you know breaker, saying? role man. Oh, and, and, my, and my favorite part was, and, and by the way, I wasn't there. I was just on Facetime with Eddie. Um, th- my favorite part was seeing them hit the two free throws. Uh, I think before. Not not in the first overtime, but it, it was regulation, just in regulation. regulation. And then the dude who hit the free throws, and I know there's no visual here. He just looks at the crowd with his hands up, and he's like, "Yeah, like 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 talk now, like talk your shit." And I'm like, "Bro, you acting like it's I, I don't know, I don't know." That, that was my favorite part, just seeing him lose. Yeah, seeing him lose. Shout out to all my friends who pulled up too. Like it was a lot of y'all, and I appreciate it. But yeah, it was it was ill the way the rest were calling that game. First of all, my man was had no reason to get on that line at that point in time 
He's he caught the ball after the buzzer has sounded, and they called a foul on him trying to attempt to mm. put back. Luckily, we got like a little bit of yeah. reciprocity on the foul on the three pointer. But I just want to say, like, I don't even know, nor do I really care if they listen to this podcast or not. Y'all grown ass men ain't got no business acting like that, playing a bunch of twenty year olds, bro. <laughs> they over here like <laughs> in, 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 like timeout in, in our huddle and shit. I'm like, bro, y'all are like thirty five. Did that. Yes, dude was just standing in our huddle, and there, I, I literally said, "I'm like, bro, I was like, bro, you a grown ass man acting like that." He's like, "You right, I am a grown ass man." I'm wish, like, "That's sad." Man, I, I, <laughs> That's I, I, sad. I wish, I wish I was there. And, and just so everybody knows, in the first game, when, when we talk about the other team bullying the refs into uh, calling fouls, in the first game, I, I think the foul, the total foul count ended up being 19 of five, if I'm not mistaken. So egregious, yeah, it's so bad. bad. Yeah, but so we bad. fought through it, though. We oh, fought through it. We won. Yeah, that was a crazy game. That was a crazy, crazy game. game. That, that was game. better than any NBA game this season. Perhaps. I mean, if you ask me, because like Double I've, been OT? To, I've been to high school games where, well, first of all, like high school basketball games are some of my favorite environments. Like, yeah. I think it's awesome, especially when, you know, the student sections are packed. But e- even in like a, you know, rec league gym environment, like some of those games, you know, it really comes down to the line. It really goes crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyways, enough of hoop and holler rec league edition. Let's talk NBA. Um, where do we want to start? Warriors Memphis? Yeah, that's Warriors, what I thought Memphis. you were talking about. That, that, I'm going to start this. I'm going well, to well, let me. I'm joking. <laughs> I want to preface because, one, it's only the Warriors' first loss. They're 4-1. I shouldn't be, you know, too frustrated. But watching the game yesterday, I don't know. I feel like I couldn't get it out of my head coming into this podcast, even though, you know, I slept on it and everything. It, like, it, it sort of just wormed itself in my brain. And I was like, damn, this is really frustrating. Because it kind of struck me, it was almost like I was watching the play-in game 2.0, you know, and, you know, went to overtime, close game, like, jaw eventually hit the daggers. Like, it felt like it played out on the same script. Um, But the thing that's frustrating to me about the Warriors is that, one, they committed on, like, 25 turnovers yesterday or something. Um, But, two, I have to give some credit to Memphis because I feel like they guard Steph Curry better than... And we ain't even had Dylan out there in the NBA. And the thing is, like, I know everyone gave Dylan a bunch of love because he was the the um, main assignment on Steph. But the truth is, like, the guys that they have do a good job, regardless. DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain are, are you know, two guys with long arms, the, the, big bodies. Long arms, and you're right, long arms and big bodies. But what all of the Grizzlies guards, or at least our defensive-driven guards, do very well, that the Warriors really need for Steph and Curry to be as successful as he is, they all dodge screens. They all fight through screens. They don't need switches. They'll fight through them, and they'll get they'll stay on his hip the entire the time. The best person I've ever seen do that is KCP, KCP. actually. KCP, KCP would do that mine. crazy. I always say KCP is the best Steph defender I've ever seen. Bro gets around screens like crazy. But, um... I was also going to say guarding Steph Curry is the hardest assignment in the league, debatably. I mean, you can say Katie, but to me, Steph, because it requires individual defense and a team, you know, like team um, cohesion on defense. And the thing that I'm really impressed by Memphis is that they have, and this is something they did in the playing game, I've noticed that um, they have a really coherent plan of stopping their actions and Steph's off ball actions. And um, when I was watching the game, I noticed that all the Memphis guards, they top lock Steph off ball. Um, so instead of guarding Steph between him and the basket, they guard between him and the three-point line, which is crazy, right? Like mm-hmm. no other player would be guarded like that. But the thing is it stops all the off-ball actions because the Warriors love to run Steph from inside the arc, you know, come out into dribble handoffs, into, you know, off-ball actions. And by top locking him, they essentially prevented Steph from coming out to the three-point line and forced him to back cut toward the rim, right? And the Warriors obviously like to utilize back cuts when they start overplaying, yeah, right. but the Memphis uh, defense is also <laughs> really good at getting in passing lanes and disrupting, um, you know, those passes because they have a lot of guys with long arms, Jaron, Desmond, DeAnthony. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why the Warriors ended up with 25 turnovers. So credit to Memphis for that defense. But the, the frustrating thing about me for the Warriors is that when teams go all out and devise such a well-constructed plan to stop the most complicated of off-ball actions, the the solution should be really simple. It should be you have Steph, right, an, an instant advantage creator in the, uh, uh, you know, one of the best advantage creators in the NBA. You have Jordan Poole, and I know, like, you, you we're put talking in- about Jordan Poole. I'm saying you have two guards now on the floor that have the ability to break down, you know, your, your defender in front of you. So all you have to do is, is, you know, stop all this, like, 
crazy complicated action, run some pick and roll, you know, like get a mismatch on Steph, run some ISO. But it's like they don't do oh, that. Okay. They're still they're still allergic to, you know, high pick and roll, still allergic to, you know, some movements that get them into like pick and roll actions. And that's why it's frustrating. Like they ended up scoring 101 points in, you know, regulation plus one overtime. Um, oh, you know, like Steph ended up scoring 36. But even then, it's like, damn, you know, like teams stop the most complicated of things and they don't have the mind to revert to just playing simple Who, fault, basketball. Whose fault is that? Steve I think, Kerr. I think I, I've been no to me to me it's Steve Kerr. No, it's Steph. You got to demand the ball. It doesn't matter. Step up though. to your coach, bro. Okay, that's what all I, the greats do. They demand the ball when it, they're hot. They they demand the ball. Just given is that the, not his fault? Just given the relationship of Steph and Steve Kerr over the seven seasons now, we've seen them, you know, work together. If you got a good relationship, you can be honest with somebody but and like, tell somebody, "Give me the ball." That, I don't know. It's never how it's played out. To me, it's it's like schematic too. Because I'm not saying just spam pick and roll, like give Steph the ball, tell <laughs> someone to bring a screener. I'm saying like they do this for Andrew Wiggins too. Like they get Andrew Wiggins going on the weak side. They you know they get him in movement and then bring a high screener and you, you get some momentum to the rim. They can run actions that start at the three-point line and revolve around pick and roll. But, you know, when it comes to Steph and even Jordan Poole, too, they you know, they do all this complicated stuff. And I think it, it works really well for the most part, right? This is the Warrior system we've known for the, you know, past seven years that Steve Kerr has coached the team. But when Memphis, a team that I've, like, a team that's better than any team I've ever seen at stopping those actions, you know, it's like you've done the work in making the team work to prevent that. Like now you just have to run pick and roll because you have Steph Curry and Draymond Green, which is one of the best pick and roll combos. You, you know, got to demand league. it. You, that, like you have Jordan simple. Poole, who's a great pick and roll guard. But anyways, that's just my rant about the Warriors. Even though they're 4-1, and one, it just frustrated frustrated me seeing them play, you know, stupid basketball. They have players like Bielita, who's one of the best, you know, stretch bigs in the league, and they have them playing, have him playing in the post. It just... It doesn't make any sense to me. But I, I, anyways, I, I sent a, a text to the group chat, and I think Cam was in it too. He, he's Cam, here. can you hear us? He's here listening and watching. I don't think he Never can mind, hear us. he can't hear us. But I sent in a text to, a little bit to bother Reagan, but also because I'm a big Jaw fan. I don't pay attention. I said, to Memphis, stand up. <laughs> I don't get bro, I know that pissed you okay, off. Okay, ain't nothing you can ever say to piss me off anymore. You want to know why? Because I, I told Eddie this story. I didn't tell you yet because I wanted to get – on the mic and tell you to your face. Because I said Memphis was better than the Clippers. So and that they are. You know, I practice with the women's team, right? Yep. Okay. So in Galen, what happens during the NBA season is a lot of times when the teams are in LA, they'll end up practicing in yep. Galen. Yeah, yeah. So the Grizzlies had uh um they, they came and they played the Clippers and they played mm -hmm. the Lakers. They're practicing in Galen, right? Yep. And I came to early to practice. I was getting some shots up. My homie had told me he was like, Oh, they're practicing over there. I was like, Oh, that's cool. I'm like, Oh, you know, go over there and bust up their practice if, you know, even though I'm from Memphis. Talk to some of their equipment managers, yada yada woo woo. I start getting my shots up, right? About fifteen minutes later, uh two trainers walk in the gym that I'm in, empty gym. And followed following those trainers, guess who it was? Ja. Ja motherfucking Durant. Durant? Fuck Yo, that's it. Okay. You met his cousin? All right, all right, all right, all right. It's ja, it was Ja Morant. Excuse me. Ja Morant. You, you get a signature? Like two episodes. That's so funny. You get a signature and a picture? No, I didn't get Because you know why? I'm not no fucking fan. I am. Okay, you get your signature and picture. I was on one you side of the You sleep with a Ja teddy bear every night, it's bro. It's not <laughs> public service announcement. That's not true. I do not. However... I was on one side of the court getting my shots up. John Morant's on the other side of the court getting his shots up, grinding together. Memphis, you can never claim to be a bigger Jai or Memphis fan than me. No, no, not fan. Or whatever, however fan. you want to appreciate. I like his game a, more. A, a, appreciator. Of his of, game. Of, of the game. Just what, the what, game. You've never been in the same court with him. You've never trained with him. You never trained with him. I did. I was on one side of court. He was on the other. No, that's not training yeah. with somebody. <laughs> I was training with him. I was training with him. And I stick. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it now. But that was pretty fucking cool. You doing the same drills that he was doing? No, I mean, I didn't have training. No, nah, nah, he probably didn't want to embarrass himself. He probably saw him and he was like shaking and shit. That's Shot not up. true. <laughs> fucking air balling shots bro. and shit. I was doing, I was getting my little, I was probably. 360 windmill. He was like, ah, ah, he trying all hard and shit. No, I was chilling, bro. I was chilling. Anyways, that was very cool. Shout out Memphis um, for taking that game and beating the Warriors. That's a, like not an easy environment to go into and win, especially playing a guy like Stephen Curry. Like you said, I really like what they do defensively. Um, 
Because when you guard somebody straight up, you give them options. When you guard somebody the way Memphis was guarding Stephen Curry, there's only one thing for them to feasibly do. And since you have guys like Jaron down there who are pretty good rim protectors, um, it makes it a little bit easier to to give up the rim and, and defend the three-point line. But, ja will be, and I kind of thought about this, Ja, it, man, and, and, you know, I loved him uh, coming into the season too, and obviously – you know, doing all the rankings, you know, you know, you have Steph, you got Luca, you got Dame. Who's who else is another point guard? Um, Do you consider Harden? No, no, no. In no. the West. Oh, in the West. I don't know CP. That's about no. That's about it though. Um, but his play this season, I mean, he's making like the the leaps this man is making is actually kind of crazy, and I'm I'm comfortable saying. This man is going to be the the outside Steph. This man is going to be the best point guard in, in the Western Conference this season. No, no, no. Just he got the highest like ceiling, and I, I project that for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I you can mean, see that. You mean like going forward? Going forward, it can be this season. This man is, at, and I don't think he's going to keep up averaging thirty five or whatever it is. But like I said, he is going to be All Star this year for the first time, and I just think. The man's going to be the best point guard in the Western Conference. I can see that. That's, that's my outlook for him. I can very much see that. And he's pushing. I mean, once the old guard eventually leaves the CP3s, the Currys. I mean, he's better than CP. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the guys who are, like, yeah, clearly yeah. head and shoulders above everybody else. Like, there's going to be a fight for that number one spot. And that's His a job. fight that John Morant is certainly going to be at the forefront of. We've seen what he does when he takes more shots. You get up 20-plus shots a game from John Morant, you get the most aggressive, best version of him. Dude is different, man. I've been saying this for years. I've been saying this for years. I, I wouldn't know the Julio should have got drafted over Zion train, but I've been saying it for years. John Morant is built different. He's cut from a different sort of cloth. Yeah. I, Dude's dangerous, man. Do you, guys think, do you guys think he's a superstar right now? Yes. Yes. Because he has, he has, like, the superstar He's takeover. a showstopper, bro. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like, I think showmanship-wise, he's definitely there. But in terms of his game, is he yes. there yet? Yes. In terms of superstar? Yes. He attacks like, the rim like, like Westbrook. I feel like early in the season, I've, I'm like, I see it. Like yeah. He this. attacks the rim like Westbrook. He sees the game like Rondo-esque. It's, I mean, it, it's it's crazy. He he plays the pick and roll so well like, like CP, except the mid-range. Um, but he, He's hitting that pull-up. Mid-range shot too, and they're giving it to him because they have to, yeah. you know, stay closer to the basket. And, and and there is, I I can't say enough what that means to the city of Memphis to have somebody of that caliber play for your team and is going to stick around for the long haul. That is really unheard of. I don't think Memphis, you could you could have dreamed of anything better than John Morant if you're the, the Memphis Grizzlies and like y'all had Zach Randolph. Let me wink at Eddie. <laughs> Let me wink at Eddie. See if I can do it. Whatever. All right. Enough Memphis love? Yeah. yeah okay. Never enough Memphis love. Finally. We can we can keep it pushing. Sheesh. Um, where do we want to go? Foul? I kind of want to talk about the foul stuff because that's actually really intriguing to me. Yeah, let's do that. See, um, okay. So th the best way I heard it kind of described um, to me or on TV at least, if the three-pointer was changed to four points – who would indisputably be the best player in the world? Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry. And so, not to say that the rule change is that huge, right? But it does make a difference. And obviously, it makes a huge I, difference. I, I, I think Harden has been just struggling, maybe a little bit in his own head about it, frustrated, maybe still not 100%. He might be 100% healthy, but not 100% confident in his hamstring. Big difference there. Um, all those things, plus him not obviously being able to shoot as many free throws as he can, all of those compile into James Harden dropping down on the totem pole of, like, let's say, I don't know, top 10 players of the NBA. Like, and, and for the Brooklyn Nets to be what the Brooklyn Nets, what I expect of them, what, what pretty much what we all expect of them, he has to be a superstar, especially when Kyrie goes out. Now you can no longer just be... Not to say he's a regular All Star now, but you got to be like a supreme superstar MVP candidate. Yeah. Without that, man, you you gotta is it, is trouble in Brooklyn. So 
I'll, I'll throw it back to a conversation we had freshman year, Eddie, because I remember we, shit, we must have been up to like 3 a.m. arguing over this bullshit. Foul drawing is a skill. It was, yes. It was like, it, I, you were in so insistent upon it being a skill, and I was insistent upon it being mentality driven, and that some people mentally understand that, you know, a foul or free throws are easier you know, ways of getting points and more consistent ways of getting points than trying to take tough shots. But other players, um, like perhaps a, a, a Kyrie Irving, like a Devin Booker, are more inclined to take the tough shot just because that's how their mentality is. Not to say that one is better than the other, but to say um, certain players are just going to take the tough shot and not really go for the foul, even though, you know, from a functional standpoint, they probably could. What you're seeing right now is the guys who kind of had the mentality to go for the foul really suffering because it's not being called as often and it's getting to be frustrating for a guy like Trey Young who voiced some concerns on it today, a guy like James Harden who's clearly not you know playing like himself. So for guys who have that sort of mentality about them, I'm not saying that they're not going to be as good, but they're going to have yeah. to let go of the fact that, you know, that's how their game has been constructed in the past, and it can't be constructed like that if they're not going to get these calls anymore. They have the capability to make those tough shots, but they just simply don't take them because they've been able to get fouls more and more. Eventually, you're going to have to let that go and just take the tough shots, and hell, you're probably going to make a lot of them. Yeah, and at the end of the day, great players rely on themselves. So when, you, when, when you're James Harden and you get to the playoffs and you have to rely on the refs calling it the same way that they do in the regular season, that's when you find yourself in trouble. And obviously in, in Houston, he had to carry the load and the burden of, you know, car carrying a, a team that isn't or wasn't as tal talented as the Nets. But it's it's putting yourself at, at a disadvantage. And I feel like this whole year is going to be like a year of training for, for James Harden. Yeah. So and it might help him get used to like this is how James Harden used to play a very different oh, yeah. style. He used to play extremely differently. So yeah. it's not like he doesn't have it. Yeah. Um what was I about to say? Damn, give me one second. Um fuck, I can't, I can't remember. What? Somebody I just take it. I feel like it's easy to well, I guess first of all, I want to say that I do like what they have done with oh, the yes. game with the value. Like it, it looks much better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm glad e you like, said even, that. Like even even as someone that. who thinks that most foul drawing in the league, especially from you know the star players, are a extension of their skill level. Um. Even the, even though that's how I think you know, and that's why I'm a fan of you know like players that can get to the line. Um, eliminating that from the game is is a good thing. Um, that being said, I do feel like the narrative of, um, especially James Harden, because he's sort of the poster child of, you know, foul drawing, but the narrative that because the refs are calling it different is the reason he's averaging 18 points and not 35. Well, he's shooting way less free throws. Like he way is. less. That's he what is. I was going to say. I'm sorry. I, I mean, it was the first time in, uh, he had a five game stretch where he, lo he, he shot less than five free throws in every game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I um, mean... It, kind of is effective. Kind, kind of, and I'm not sure exactly what your point was going to be, Eddie, but I, I think that a lot of it isn't just – he's, he's struggling, right? Mm -hmm. He's struggling from a shooting standpoint, but the thing is what that foul drawing does for a lot of people is it gets you Calms into a rhythm. You that, exactly. It gets you into a exactly. rhythm. So mm -hmm. I can't really get my bucket, but if I can get to the line, see a couple shots go down, exactly. now I'm cooking a little bit, and I have my defender on their heels a little bit. Mm -hmm. exactly. Now the defender has a little bit more autonomy. It's a little bit more difficult to get into your rhythm than it was before. That's what I was gonna say. Is that and it's, it's in your a lot of and it's in your and I'll let you finish right now. And it's in your head too. Like yeah. now, maybe James Harden doesn't want to like. Oh, I'm I'm gonna get him to kind of jump and then lean into him and, and foul him like he usually might have thought. Now he's gonna like uh, uh, hesitate in his thinking on, on what he's gonna do. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's really affecting. Him. Yeah. Well, because the thing is, James Harden did used to do a lot of bullshit, you know, and like he he did used to do a lot of stuff that just would piss not only me but a lot of people off in terms of the foul drawing but i went back and looked at some of the things that were no calls because a lot of um you know people on twitter are like posting videos of where he tried to draw a thousand and get them mm -hmm. and i was looking at it and it was like i mean some of the things that they're not calling are fouls the though. bam out of bio one yeah was a foul. that was a foul that, that one was a foul and the, and the thing for that a player a like james harden and i think this is what you're alluding to when you talk about mentality is that a player like james harden perhaps Perhaps it's a mentality to punish bad defense every time he notices bad defense. And sometimes the only way to punish bad defense is to draw the foul because they're out of position. You know, because sometimes because because sometimes the way to 
um, like there's no way to um, or it doesn't make as much sense to take a step back long two or something when a defender's out of position. But instead, because, you know, their feet are positioned badly, their hips are, you know, turned, you can, you know, go into their body and go up and draw the foul. And the thing is, I feel like the refs are not calling moves that look unnatural to basketball. If that if that makes sense, and I think that's part of the rule. Like every time they see a player do a non quote unquote non basketball move, like something that doesn't look like a normal basketball player would do in the course of a game, mm-hmm. they're just saying, "I'm not going to call that at all." And I think, I think that's the right thing to do. I'm not going to lie. It's just like, I don't know. I think it's kind of okay. stupid let, let, because if you were really trying to score, would you do that? that no, if, because no, but, but, you, but if but you're really you, trying I, to you, score, you're you're taking advantage of you're the taking defense. advantage of bad defense, and, and, and that's why I say it's a skill because foul drawing is being able to execute on seeing this, bad defense. Yeah. Because once you get a defender, you know, on on their heels, once you get a defender in a vulnerable position, the star players are able to capitalize on it. Uh-huh. That's like the, to me, that's a definition of a star score is like what, you're is, able to is, capitalize it, on. I guess, see, my, and I see your point, but my my question for you is, what is the purpose of defense? To stop, to stop them scoring. from scoring. Exactly. So, so. so like, I, I'm I'm with Eddie on this one. The best example that I can come up with is the swipe through that Kevin Durant, Kobe, and all of them, all, all of them used to do or do right now. The swipe through, no one actually shoots like that except old Lonzo Ball, right? <laughs> um, or or Kenyon Martin. No one actually does that. But your take, that's a foul. That's still a foul. W- would you not agree? Yeah. So you wouldn't call that. I would call that one. Because it's more about like what sort of space you're entitled to as an offensive player. What 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 about the the I don't know if you um we trained one time and, and we were talking about this shit. That, oh yeah, like I know the, what you're talking about the step through, right? So yeah. that's something that James Harden always does in the lane. Why? It's because it exposes his arms mm-hmm. to the defense, so they can think the defense can think that they can swipe the ball, but really most of the time they it's get his hit arms, arm. yeah. and so that's what he did to to Bam Adebayo. Bam was in like a bad position, and he kind of reached, and James Harden just went up for the shot, and he got he got swiped at. Mm-hmm. So like in a case like that, that's a foul. That's I mean, a foul. It, it's nuanced. I think there's a difference between um like bad foot positioning and then getting too handsy with an offensive player. Like you're entitled to your space, and defenders don't get to just kind of poke at you with their hands. Um, but when, when you're talking about hip, hip position and feet position, that feels like a different ball game because if ultimately my job as a defender is to stop you from scoring, then you, I, fouls should be called from my vantage point on moves that would be scoring moves, not just, okay, I crossed you up a little bit and now I can jump into you. You know what I mean? Because if I wasn't well, going to try to score yeah. off of that, then no, I don't the, feel like the, it's the, the jumping thing. into people, that shit is not a foul. And if you're going to mm-hmm. call a foul, call a foul. Yeah, like what offense. James Harden used to do that pissed me off is when he would take threes, when he was when he would land, he would like lean his legs forward to try to land no, yeah, on yeah, the yeah, legs yeah. of a defender. That, that, that shit is And I was like, foul. okay, that's like, come on, that's, that's obnoxious. Not but again, like to me, and, and I know you're going to say like I'm a defense hater or whatever, but like defense is supposed to be hard, right? Especially in this NBA and how good NBA players are. Defending players, especially star players, is supposed to be really fucking hard. Yeah. So like, yeah, like for like many times you're gonna be out of position and in a position of recovering, and when that happens, it's like you're you should be at the mercy of the offensive player. Just I don't know that that's how I see the game philosophically. It's like if a if a offensive player gets you on your heels and gets you in a vulnerable position, like the offensive player should be able to dictate what he is like what he can do in terms of um, taking advantage of the bad defense. Right. And I, I, I understand. And I think I agree with that to an extent, but I feel like the purpose behind it should always be with the intention to score the basketball. You know what I mean? Like if you're not like if somebody say it's Trey young comes off a screen, right? The defender's trailing. Trey Young stops. No, like that, see, that's, I, I, that's a foul. Yeah, see, no, that's, that's a foul. That's what okay. I'm saying. I, okay. I would say that is a foul because like you stop yeah, and you're yeah, going just you're going to take up a shot. You know okay. what I'm saying? That okay. like, with the intention to but score. Once you jump back, out of the, that's not a foul. That's not a foul because you wouldn't foul. do okay. that, right? So I just think it, like what referee and this is a really fucking difficult thing to do is like it. Well, what would look like a scoring move or what doesn't look like a scoring move? But I think a good place to start is what looks natural and unnatural. Having watched the game of basketball, is this something that somebody in this position that was reasonably trying to score would do. But this is exactly why and I brought it up last season too that re- one of the rules and it's not even a rule change. I, I think we had a, a topic on one episode on like what rule change do you want to see? One of the rule changes I want to see is not really a rule. It's that I want refs 
to be for ha- have players. basketball backgrounds yeah. and basketball experience because I, I I think that would not only help uh, obviously officiating more but it would also help interacting with players and, and um, if Car- who who got a oh Joel Embiid if Joel Embiid gets a big ass dunk. And he goes, ah, he started celebrating like that. I'm not going to call a freaking technical foul. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that, too, just pisses me off. But you know Slows what the, the game down. was for that was the damn mouse at the palace. Now they don't want nobody showing no type of emotion anymore. Well, not that you can't show any emotion, but anything that would be perceived as antagonistic to the other team, they really nip that in the bud nowadays because of everything that happened with Indiana. Um, yeah. They really cracked down on that shit, which kind of takes the fun out of it because it's not like that was a really – rare confluence of events in people that would lead to an event like that that's that's something that would not happen anytime somebody starts talking shit to well somebody. yeah i also feel like play i don't want to say players are smarter now but i feel like they're more aware and conscious of their brand and not about it like let's be real yeah like, the folks are not trying to fight like <laughs> yeah, that so yeah. maybe brandon ingram is He's with the shits, but like, and came in swinging, but like, no, folks are not trying to fight like that. No. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like, the individuals that it took to create that, you had the fucking Detroit fucking Pistons, and then the Indiana Pacers made up a Ron Artest injury. Like, you had some and a dudes, fan that threw a bottle of water. Fans. Like, you had to have some out of pocket shit happen to some people who were with that shit for it to actually pop yeah. off like that. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I just wanted to end the fouling discussion about scores are just like 100 points now. Like, the, the scores have gone down 20 points, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, last year we were looking at 120-point games. Now teams are barely scraping 100. It's like 104 to 103, or it's like 101 to 98. It's like it's pretty crazy how, um, should be. how impactful. Yeah, We're really watching 2000s basketball. Yes, yeah, sir. Bring back the long two. We're watching no-spacing basketball. I, I, saw, I saw Chicago take, like, three straight mid-range uh, pull-up, pull-up shots, and I was like, what am I watching? I was like, "What the did hell?" Did they did they make them? Uh, Patrick Williams made one, and I think Demar made the other one. Z- okay. Zach Levine missed, but that makes oh, sense. They have a, they have a mid range built team, honestly. On the on the note of this like two thousands basketball, and this is really kind of adjacent, but maybe this is a topic for another episode. But what's going on with Cleveland right now in the um the three big lineup is kind of interesting because defensively that's the sort of thing that you would look at on paper and say they're going to get fucked it's working it's working and a lot of it has to do with what evan mobile is capable of but you can play a lot of big people and still last defensively which is interesting so maybe another episode Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that yeah all right i have to dip out because of a personal obligation but i will let you two finish the episode yes sir and um we don't need you Okay. Damn. All right. Okay. Damn. Bye. (laughs) All right. I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys take the hosting duties then. Bye, Eddie. Um. All right. Who likes job more between me and you? (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) I do. No. Um. I think the last thing we wanted to talk about was the rookies, right? And just kind of which rookies have popped out to you, which ones you've been impressed with thus far. I know I have a lot of them, and there's a lot of them that have been very impressive in this class overall could go down and it's really early to say could go down as one of the better classes of all time just based on what they've been able to show they're capable of off rip so i wanted to toss it to you just see like what was well, the name that's that's popping out to you right to, now. like to be honest i haven't been able to watch many i'm trying to think i know you like davion mitchell i oh i love davion yeah, mitchell I, I've, about him. I, I guess yeah let, let's start it off with him but i will be honest um i've only seen highlights mm-hmm. But the way that man defends, I mean, the the first time I ever watched him play, I think it was the Final Four game. Yeah. Um, at, at Baylor, the way that man defends, oh my, it's like, he, it's like a a pit bull on a steak. It's crazy. <laughs> now nah, it's crazy. Um, he he just gets super after it and uh, he's super crafty in the pick and roll. Um, can beat his man off the dribble. Obviously, he's kind of shorter, but he is strong enough. Mm-hmm. Um, to to not be you know pushed off of his. Um, direction or, or whatever whenever he's dribbling to the paint. Um, but the one rookie that I have been able to watch just because I'm a big L.A. Lakers fan. But before you do that, go let, me, let me let go me ahead. take one. Um, and I, I wish Cam could hear me right now. Oh, you can't hear me. All right, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Scotty Barnes. is you, Cam, you want to pop in here? Pop in here. Take yeah, any spot. Here. Take, take any spot, here. man. Take any <laughs> spot. A little freestyle here. Yeah, yeah. But hey, I'll go ahead and start with Scotty Barnes. I'll let Cam talk his shit. Because we was at Summer League watching Toronto. I'm like, this Scotty Barnes dude ain't it. And you had the opportunity to take a guy like Jalen Suggs. Why would you not take Jalen Suggs? 
but they went Scotty Barnes, and I'm like talking my shit to Cam. I don't think he's it. Yada yada, wooty woot. And then Cam, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Let me know what you're seeing with Scotty Barnes, man. Hop back on the mic. Come out of retirement, man. Um, obviously we're huge draft guys, so um, I was a Scotty fan, um, freshman year of college, but I didn't understand picking him over Suggs either. He needed a point guard. Yeah. Kyle Lowry left. Suggs had like the best run <laughs> we've seen in a while. Yeah. But as I told Reagan, um, it fit the prototype for Toronto. They stayed on brand. I mean, I don't have to go down the list. Precious, OG, Siakam, mm. Scotty fits that mode. Um, but as far as just what, the first four or five games? Yeah. He's been crazy. Man. But he had like a 25 and 12, man. man. They let him grab and go. <laughs> he's playing point. I've seen him play center, like in a dunker spot, killing it, still making like incredible reads. Man. Obviously, he can defend his ass off. Um, the jumper looked way better than it did in college. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He, he can truly do it all. And like you said, that's very on brand for Toronto because that's the yeah. type of dude that they want. The OG and Nunabees, the Pascal Siakams, I can plug you in at any spot on the wing and you'll thrive. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and say like off rip. Like I I, I ain't got to watch too much more of him to say that, yeah, I, I was dead wrong on that. Yeah, bro, I was – we're talking about it at Summer League, but I think it's safe to say I didn't even expect him yeah, this to come be. and do what he's doing this soon, at least. I don't know if I told you guys, but once they, when they drafted Scotty Barnes, I was like, yo, what the fuck? Because I, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And I was like, ain't that the dude from Florida? Scotty Lewis, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And right. I was like, <laughs> that's going to be a horrible ass pick. <laughs> but but once uh, I saw who it was, I was like, oh, let me look at his highlights. Um, but... I mean, even even still, I I I thought they should have uh, selected Jalen Suggs. Nah, yeah. I mean, on, on that note, Jalen Suggs is pretty playing pretty well. I have a pick of dude I want to highlight. Um, why don't we go Duarte? Duarte is like that's kind of the low hanging fruit, but Duarte has been playing his ass off right now, and everybody makes a jokes about how old he is, but like I, you know, sometimes yeah. you got old rookies, and it's it like, don't matter. It, it don't doesn't matter, matter cause it you don't can matter. fucking play. He yeah, can play exactly. If, and go go ahead. Go if ahead. you're not drafting like in the top five, I don't exactly. Really, just understand. go with exactly. the dudes who can hoop. I don't exactly. understand why that's a knock. Yeah, like if you're the Indiana Pacers and you have Karis Levert, Sabonis, Turner, however that winds up playing out is totally different. But for the sake of this argument, you're drafting at what fourteen? I believe it was thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. You're drafting somebody that can play right now. Exactly. Like I don't, I don't think that's a knock. He's twenty four yeah. years old. Okay, come in, do your job, and. I, I, I was so upset when the Lakers traded their 22 pick to Washington because I was like, please. He was hoping that Duarte yeah, would drop. Yeah, yeah and, and uh, I mean, it wouldn't have made a difference, I guess. Um, but I, I guess if we're swinging it back to me, the only rookie that I've been able to watch extensively is Austin Reeves. Mm. And, man, can I tell you that the injuries, although, you know, it's been – it sucks with, with Braun and everybody else out – uh, losing like the way we have, I think we're two and three. Westbrook, I mean, he's not even driving me crazy because I, I kind of expected him to just average a quadruple double with ten turnovers, <laughs> like he did last, the other night. Right. But um, it's given a path and and, and a, a route for Austin Reeves' playing time. And that man in the preseason, I was like, oh, I guess he all right then. That that white boy pretty good. Yeah. But it's not gonna matter in the regular season. He's not gonna be able to play. And then everybody gets hurt. This man is 6'5". He looks smaller on TV, I feel like. Because he's white. And <laughs> Admit it, Julio. And, and <laughs> he's just such a smart role player. And yeah. that's all I want. Like, I, And I've said this before on this podcast. The, the players that truly kind of – that I get attracted to or whatever, like hey, – yo. <laughs> that, that, that I really am fascinated about are the players that are role players but excel at their role. Yeah. What's the name I always bring up, Reagan? Alex Caruso. Uh, oh, no. Not, not uh, him. Uh oh. Desmond Bain. Uh, oh, hell. Oh, okay. Oh, we, we'll talk about that off De camera. Right? So, Desmond Bain. Um, and Austin Reeves is just a dude who can shoot the three. He may not be as good of a defender as Caruso is, but damn, does he try. And that 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 really you know warms my heart because freaking Melo out he's freaking out there never tries. Yeah. Westbrook is not good at defense. DeAndre Jordan he's not a freaking rim protector anymore. He's fucking horrible to watch. Um, but Austin Reeves ha has really impressed me. He shoots the three. He shoots the mid range. He can dribble a little bit. He can handle the rock. Um, he's just a super smart player, high IQ, and, and him with Bron. I think he has the highest plus minus 
on the on the Lakers this whole season, even with our losing record. And it's, it's crazy. It's not like, you know, it, the fact that he's white, the fact that he's a rookie, the fact that he's a role player. Undrafted. Undrafted. Like, Shouldn't uh, have been undrafted. The, the, yeah. the, the low-hanging fruit is the Alex Caruso comparison, obviously. A lot of people, oh, Alex Caruso goes out, Austin Reeves comes in. But I will say what really strikes similar between those two guys, to me, the biggest thing is the lack of fear. Right, yes. the, the, the fearlessness with which they approach the game and the tenacity with which they attack their their small finite role. Yes. That's what made Alex Caruso really appealing at the outset. And over time, we saw that grow and cultivate and blossom into what became not just like a really strong eighth dude, but somebody that you could really make an argument for to start. Right. Yeah. So if Austin Reeves yeah. is going to be on the same sort of trajectory, I think that that lack of fear that he's already approaching with serves him very, very well. There is never a moment where I'm like, with which I do a lot with, uh, Russell Westbrook, bro, don't shoot this, don't shoot the fuck he shot it and airball, right? He don't right? do stupid and, shit. Like, yeah, and, and when he's open, I'm like, shoot it, and he shoots it. Like, yeah. he's very, and he, when he does, he's very, very confident. And although he may not be the defender Caruso is, uh, again, like I said, he does try hard, but he's a much better, I'd say, offensive player other than maybe driving to the basket and finishing mm -hmm. than Caruso is. He's a better shooter. I think he's a better ball handler. And he's six five, so it's not like he he's six two or, or something. So yeah, he legit. He legit. Uh, the Caruso comparisons, obviously. I mean, you know why <laughs> they're there. Um, but like you said, he's just as tough as Caruso. Like even if he's not a better defender, like the effort's always there. That was something mm -hmm. that was really big with him in Oklahoma. And Laker fans might not like this comparison, but for me, he has I believe like three or four inches on the guy I'm about to bring up. But he kind of reminded me of. Peyton Pritchard, just like a really huh. tough guy in college that scored the ball. I think Austin, his last year, like averaged like 17 or 18 a game. Like, hmm. Where did he go? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. He was a killer in Oklahoma, like hitting big time shots and everything. So it kind of reminded me of Pritchard, just like a guy that went under the radar. And I mean, Boston's kind of stacked, <laughs> but we saw what he did in summer league. Like he yeah. can come in, fill spot minutes, score the ball really well. And even if he is kind of. Yeah. Outside, and, so. and obviously we still. So I'm about to say something, but I have to preface it. Obviously, we have to wait for Ariza to come back, THT to come back, Ellington. and uh, not really Ellington, but um, Kendrick Nunn to come back yeah. to, to really see who's going to fit well with the team, who's going to play well with who. But as currently you know, constructed for, for the active players, Austin Reeves is in the finishing five. I am not. Get out. No, he is. With everybody healthy? No, no, no. I'm saying with everybody hurt right oh, now. Oh, okay. And okay, I still okay, have to okay. see what... Because if THT plays like he did in the preseason, Austin Reeves is over him. Hmm. I don't know about Kendrick Nunn, but... Um, yeah, with everybody right now, he's in the finishing five. He is. Because he's the only... He's the only... like He's like a better Avery Bradley. No, I can, honestly. Agree. I, I can agree with that. Like yeah. Currently standing as of today, I would put him in the yeah. closing five. Yeah. So I want to throw a couple more names out, get y'all's thoughts on how they performed thus far. And there's like, uh, we can't go through all of them because a lot of rookies are playing pretty well, but I want to kind of highlight the top, either the top ones or the ones that have kind of surprised me a little bit and how well they've transitioned to the NBA game. Starting with Franz Wagner. How's it? Franz Wagner, however you pronounce it. He's been kind of a surprise, to me at least, because I didn't expect him is to turn Mo, around. Is that Mo Wagner? Yeah, his little yeah. brother. He's so, like a lot better than he is. Glad you brought him up, man. I've been talking about this for like the last four days. This is the platform for me to do it. Mm -hmm. Franz Wagner, I apologize. I was completely <laughs> wrong. I hated the pick. I hated it. I watched their game against Miami, and I saw a little bit of the Knicks game, and one more game. I forgot who they played, but I've seen like three or four Orlando Magic games. Mm -hmm. Bro, he, he just... He fits like he just comes in, does his job, three and D guy, really smart guy, makes some advanced reads. But yeah, bro, he's definitely not Mo, and that's not a knock to Mo at all. But like, really good player, right? Gonna be a really good wing guy for a long time. So yeah, I, he, I was completely wrong. He's like real tall, right? Like what seven feet? What team is he on? I, I think he's like six eight, six nine. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, I, I think maybe approaching six ten, but he's like really long. Like, no, nah, you're not off. Like the, he's. He's a big guy. Yeah. So the thing that yeah six nine. So yeah. the thing that always struck me about him is that he plays like a wing and he moves like a wing, right? Right. And he's not one of those like Chris Stapps Porzingis where it's like a big but has like kind of slower movements that look like what a wing would do. No, he's like yeah. a genuine. He moves like a wing. He's just yeah. taller, right? And that's like really threatening and and something that frankly the um the Magic need right. They don't have yeah, a don't ton have. on the wing, especially <laughs> somebody who has the the firepower that he does, but I just did not expect for his game to translate as quickly as he did. Um, I mean, what, what, what does he shoot from three? I'm looking it up. 
I'm not sure, but he. Um, yeah, I, I don't know like any of the raw numbers, but like just from watching, bro, he's been great. And I mean, like just going back to Michigan, like you watch the games. I didn't think he was a bad player. Like you know, that team was stacked, made a good run, um, in attorney. But I just thought he was a guy that you know maybe you can take late teens, mid teens, right. maybe even like early twenties. But nah, bro, if this is gonna be him and he's <laughs> only gonna ascend, which is our assumption, um, those are the type of guys that you know contribute to championship teams and stuff like that and you you have to take those guys early no cap he's shooting a cool 42 percent yeah, on, on 4.8 shots a game uh for three so that that's pretty fucking good um yeah josh i didn't know the giddy. that high that's crazy josh giddy nice bro that, yeah. he he nice he like yeah. he moves so well for uh, how tall is he six eight six nine I, I, cause he, yeah i i didn't look out i didn't he look like up how tall eight. he was but bro moves really really smoothly on the court he can he can handle the rock he can shoot um it's a little bit more of a set shot but it doesn't really matter um and, and he he gets to the rim he's not afraid to get to the rim so I, I watched him for the first time against the Lakers the other night and bro bro was bro was impressive yeah, yeah he was no nah, he, yeah, can, he nah, can definitely play no nah, bro um everything I expected um you know he played I, I believe it was the NBL I'm not particularly sure but um basically took the same route as Joe Ingles um one of his like role models and read something like during the draft process Joe Ingles did an interview and he was like nah I told him like you're like 10 20 times better than I was that was your age so nah um he's been really good man I um, can handle the ball play on the wing like Julio said so yeah I think it was a good pick for OKC really um, good pick but yeah it, it, it's not frustrating yet but it's kind of nerve-wracking as a Grizzlies fan because you you had that pick and you had the options of Moses Moody. Would you guys choose Zaire? You, know, you went Zaire, right? And you kind of went to play for the upside. I was particularly a fan of Giddy coming out just because I didn't exactly see what type of role he would fit in because he didn't really have the twitchiness that you'd want to see from a big guard nor like the score. Like if you're going to be a non-twitchy big guard, I'm going to need you to be able to score like Luca. You know what I mean? He doesn't have those type of scoring chops, but he does have like a lot of the ability to be more of that that glue guy that you really need uh, on, on a good team. But... I don't know, man. Like, between Giddy and Moses Moody looks pretty good in the small spurts he gets with the Warriors as well. It's like, damn, I really hope Zaire comes along because you had two really good options there between the, uh, those three. Um, how y'all feel about Trey Murphy? I love him. I mean, obviously, being the Pels guy, um, we needed that. Um, more than anything now, I mean, we lost Lonzo, so got Devontae Graham, so we lose size and defense at the guard spot. Um, outside of B.I., we don't really have any wings, and uh, B.I. is like my second favorite player in the league, but the defense is always up and down. And he's kind of out there by himself at this point, um, just scoring the ball with no Zion. So to not have to, you know, carry that burden as well defensively. I mean, Valanciunas is there. He's been great. But just to have Murphy out there, he's so young, but he's just so, like, fundamentally sound defensively, like, kind of knows where to be. Yeah. You know, has his lapses like every rookie, but nah, I've been really impressed with him. And he also shoots the, the ball really well. I don't know his, like, you know, exact percentage from three, but he's been good. Have to ask you though. You mentioned Moody um, and Giddy, which are Grizzlies. Um, I watched. I actually went to the Clippers game, saw like most of the Cleveland game, and I saw the first half of the Golden State Memphis game this morning. I've been impressed with Zaire. I mean, okay. his numbers are not well, um, but maybe it's just that he's getting like twenty minutes a game, like anywhere from like seventeen to twenty minutes a game. I've been impressed. I mean, he's not really scoring, but Maybe I'm just impressed that he's even out there right now. Like, right. I didn't expect him to play that early. I mean, just with his body and everything. But I don't know. I've been impressed. I think he's made good plays. I think he's trying to figure everything out. But yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a bigger fan as I am than most people. But I think he's a really smart kid. But I've been impressed. So cool. Just wanted your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he it's like it's the comparison thing. Yeah, that, that's what I mean, always, that's, that's what always gets me, and that's what I kind of have to yeah. unlearn is, you know, the Grizzlies have done a really good job drafting and yeah. what they've done a really good job of doing. And I think that's a big part jo of Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy was selected before Zaire. Oh, you show right. You show right. He was he was somebody that was like, yeah. could have been uh, an option for the Grizzlies. Yeah, because yeah, when, the, when the trade came out, they were talking about Memphis possibly moving up again yeah. and taking Giddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're on base. Um, But with um, with the Grizzlies, what they have normally done, at least in these past few years, is later in the draft getting guys who have stuck immediately. This is yeah. more of an upside play. Yeah. Um, 
but I trust them. I trust them. I think, yeah, yeah, I if, think if, that's, that, if that's the move that they made, then I, I got to put my faith in that organization because they haven't steered us wrong yet. Um, last one, then I got to roll out. But I want to get y'all's thoughts on Cam Thomas and or Bones Highland. However y'all feel about them, too. Bones is ridiculous low-key. Um, Huge Bones guy. Haven't seen much of the Nuggets yet. Not a full game, I believe. Not fully. Maybe like one. Um, So don't have many opinions on Bone as, you know, first four or five games have been done. But huge fan of him. I think he's going to be in the rotation early just with no Jamal being there um, and them needing the spark for scoring. And as far as Cam Thomas, um, guy's clearly a bucket. Um, For me, it didn't really hit me until like two or three weeks ago. He was one of the best scorers, if not the best scorer, in the draft class. And his first four years, assuming he stays with the Nets, he gets to be in class with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving every day. And... I think that's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. So if he can just come along throughout the season and just come in and do what he does. I mean, I saw like in the preseason, he had a good move, I believe, on one of the Laker players, I believe. Um, and like you see James Harden on the sidelines just like rooting for him. So clearly yeah. they've been putting in time. Yeah. But um, I think that's going to be pretty scary. What, what I would like to see from Cam is uh, a little bit more of – not 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 so much going away of what he does best, but picking up a little bit on what James Harden does in the pick and roll. Because obviously, bro, like we know you can score, right? But develop those other parts of your game and the Jordan Wapa conundrum, be, right? Just fill in the rest of your game. Yeah, yeah. The rest of your game. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a very very strong rookie class. We didn't even mention the top guys, um, Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham. Obviously, both of them can hoop. Right. Um, Evan Mobley's been ridiculous this year, but. He plays AD tonight. It is going. Yes. That's going to be interesting. Actually, yeah. I didn't even realize that. But. Dang. Yeah. yeah. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have to make sure we catch that one. But we we better attack Lori tonight. Probably I'm thinking about it. We probably won't. LeBron but playing. Either. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. Should be interesting. But either way, I think that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Appreciate you, Cam, for coming in on short notice. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I, I was like, why would we not have Cam in here? He's in the other room. We talking about the draft. Like, hell yeah, we gotta have Cam in here, man. My guy. Um, appreciate it. Nah, yeah, of course. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, go check out the socials at Hoop Holler Pod all that good stuff, man. Appreciate y'all. I woke up this morning a champion. I feel great. Hey. I'll catch y'all next time. 2022. Reagan Griffin draft. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.